Hello everybody and welcome to The Power of Positivity. I am your host, James Whisker, and it is my job to spread a little bit of inspiration and joy to you all during these difficult times. In this podcast, I will be sharing touching, inspirational and joyful stories. So sit back, relax and enjoy The Power of Positivity. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of The Power of Positivity and a very happy new year to you all. I'm still allowed to say that because we are in January. Um, I hope you had uh, the best Christmas and new year you could have done in the current circumstances. Up first today is actually a poem. It's called The Handwriting on the Wall. A weary mother returned from the store, lugging groceries through the kitchen door. Awaiting her arrival was her eight-year-old son, anxious to relate what his younger brother had done. While I was out playing and Dad was on call, Jamie took his crayons and wrote on the wall. It's on the new paper, just hung in the den. I told him you'd be mad at having to do it again. She let out a moan and furrowed her brow. Where is your little brother right now? She emptied her arms and with a purposeful stride she marched to his closet where he had gone to hide. She called his full name as she entered his room. He trembled with fear. He knew that meant doom. For the next ten minutes she ranted and raved about the expensive wallpaper and how she had saved. Lamenting all the work it would take to repair she condemned his actions and total lack of care. The more she scolded, the madder she got, then stomped from his room, totally distraught. She headed for the den to confirm her fears. When she saw the wall, her eyes flooded with tears. The message she read pierced her soul with a dart. It said, I love mummy, surrounded by a heart. Well, the wallpaper remained, just as she found it with an empty picture frame hung to surround it, a reminder to her, and indeed to all, take time to read the handwriting on the wall. What a great poem, and I know I've been guilty of this in the past, I've sometimes been quick to assume something before I've actually got um, (laughs) my facts straight, Um, and I think now the mother knew that her son did that out of love for her, that was worth more to her than all the wallpaper in the world. Up next, we have a motivational story originally told by a lady called Fran Wallace about the importance of looking after our health. It's called The Tramp. It's November, around 6pm, and there's a tramp sitting near Victoria Station in London. It's getting dark, starting to rain, and it's pretty cold. It's busy with commuters rushing to go home all in their suits with briefcases, walking quickly. The tramp is sitting there with his dog and looks up to see a businessman walk out of the pizza restaurant opposite and cross the busy road carrying a pizza box. He comes up to the tramp, smiles and holds out the pizza box. Hey, I got this for you. The tramp looks up slowly, smiles and says, thanks, but no thanks. The man looks at the tramp, a bit confused by this point, No, no, you you don't understand. It's not the remains of my pizza. I was sitting in the window there eating when I saw you 
and I thought it's going to be a long, cold night, so I asked them to make this pizza for you to take away. It's a margarita. The tramp shakes his head. It's really kind of you, and I'm sure one of the other guys would love it, but I don't eat pizza. The man is a bit confused now, and actually quite annoyed. What do you mean you don't eat pizza? He sees the tramp living on the street with nothing, and it doesn't make sense. What do you eat? He asks. The tramp looks up again. There's a door down that street that's at the back of a supermarket. Every evening, at around 10pm, they bring out all the fruit and veg that can't be sold, and they are happy for me to have as much as I like. Now the man is very confused. So you won't eat this freshly made hot pizza, but you'll eat the old fruit and veg. Why would you want to do that? The tramp explains, well, if I don't look after my body, I'll have nowhere to live. We all have a home, some more than one, but we only have one body. And if we don't look after it, we'll have nowhere to live. Well, after reading that story, I'm glad um, that I've made the decision, as I'm sure a lot of you out there, being a new year, a new start, I have made the decision to exercise more regularly and make healthier choices with my diet. Because um, after all, as that story says, our health and well-being should come first. Up next is a beautiful story called The Date. After 21 years of marriage, my wife wanted me to take another woman out to dinner and a movie. She said, I love you, but I know this other woman loves you and would love to spend some time with you. The other woman my wife wanted me to take on a date was my mother, who had been a widow for 19 years, but the demands of my work and my three children had made it possible to visit her only occasionally. That night, I called to invite her out for dinner and a movie, and she asked, What's wrong? Are you okay? My mother is the type of woman that suspects that a late-night call or a surprise invitation is a sign of bad news. I thought it would be pleasant to spend some time with you, just the two of us, I responded. She thought about it for a moment and then said, I would like that very much. That Friday after work, as I drove over to pick her up, I was a bit nervous. When I arrived at her house, I noticed that she too seemed to be nervous about our date. She waited in the door with her coat on. She had even curled her hair and was wearing the dress that she had worn to celebrate her last wedding anniversary. She smiled from a face that was as radiant as an angel. I told my friends that I was going to go out with my son and they were impressed, she said as she got into the car. They can't wait to hear about our date she said, smiling. We went to a restaurant that, although not elegant, was very nice and cosy. My mother took my arm as if she were the first lady. After we sat down, I had to read the menu. Her eyes could only read large print. Halfway through our starter, I lifted my eyes and saw my mum sitting there, staring at me. A nostalgic smile was on her lips. You know... It was me who used to have to read the menu to you when you were small, she said. Then it's time that you relax and let me return the favour, I responded. During the dinner, we had an agreeable conversation, nothing extraordinary, but catching up on recent events of each other's life. We talked so much that we missed the movie. As we arrived at her house later, she said, I'll go out with you again, but only if you let me invite you. 
I agreed, smiling. How was your dinner date? asked my wife when I got home. Very nice, much more so than I could have imagined, I answered. A few days later, my mother died of a massive heart attack. It happened so suddenly that I didn't have a chance to do anything for her. Sometime later, I received an envelope with a copy of a restaurant receipt from the same place Mother and I had dined. An attached note said, I paid this bill in advance. I wasn't sure that I could be there, but nevertheless, I paid for two plates, one for you and the other for your wife. You will never know what that night meant for me. I love you, son. At that moment, I understood the importance of saying in time, I love you and giving our loved ones the time that they deserve. I think that lovely story shows that nothing in life is more important than your family. Give them the time that they deserve. These things cannot be put off till some other time. Up next is a story called What Will Matter? Ready or not, someday it will all come to an end. There will be no more sunrises, no minutes, hours or days. All the things you collected, whether treasured or forgotten, will pass to someone else. Your wealth, fame and temporal power will shrivel to irrelevance. It will not matter what you owned or what you were owed. Your grudges, resentments, frustrations and jealousies will finally disappear. So too will your hopes, ambitions, plans and to-do lists will expire. The wins and losses that once seemed so important will fade away. It won't matter where you're from or what side of the tracks you lived on in the end. It won't matter whether you were beautiful or brilliant. Even your gender and skin colour will be irrelevant. So what will matter? How will the value of your days be measured? What will matter is not what you bought, but what you built. Not what you got, but what you gave. What will matter is not your success, but your significance. What will matter is not what you learned, but what you taught. What will matter is every act of integrity, compassion, courage or sacrifice that enriched, empowered or encouraged others to emulate your example. What will matter is not your competence, but your character. What will matter is not how many people you knew, but how many will feel a lasting loss when you're gone. What will matter is not your memories, but the memories that live in those who loved you. What will matter is how long you will be remembered, by whom and for what. Living a life that matters doesn't happen by accident. It's not a matter of circumstance, but of choice. What this story tells us is choose a life that matters. And that story was by Michael Josephson. Up next is an inspirational story of a very famous cartoonist who battled the odds and became a success. I love this one. It's called The Loser Who Never Gave Up. When he was a little boy, his uncle called him Sparky after a comic strip horse named Sparkplug. School was all but impossible for Sparky. He failed every subject in the eighth grade. He flunked physics in high school, getting a grade of zero. He also flunked Latin, algebra and English. And his record in sports wasn't any better. Though he did manage to make the school's golf team. He promptly lost the only important match of the season. Oh, there was a consolation match. He lost that too. 
Throughout his youth, Sparky was awkward socially. It wasn't that the other students disliked him so much, it's just that no one really cared all that much. In fact, Sparky was astonished if a classmate ever said hello to him outside of school hours. He may as well have been invisible. There's no way to tell how he might have done at dating. He never once asked a girl out in high school. He was too afraid of being turned down or perhaps laughed at. Sparky was a loser. He, his classmates, everyone said it and knew it. And so Sparky believed it. He learned to live with it. He made up his mind early that if things were meant to work out, they would. Otherwise, he would content himself with what appeared to be his inevitable mediocrity. One thing was important to Sparky, however, and that was drawing. He was proud of his artwork. No one else appreciated it, but that didn't seem to matter to him. In his senior year of high school, he submitted some cartoons to the yearbook. The editors rejected the concept. Despite his brush off, Sparky was convinced of his ability. He even decided to become an artist. So after completing high school, Sparky wrote to Walt Disney Studios. They asked for samples of his artwork. Despite careful preparation, this too was rejected. It was just one more confirmation that he was a loser in his eyes. But Sparky still didn't give up. Instead, he decided to tell his own life story in cartoons. The main character would be a little boy who symbolised the perpetual loser and chronic underachiever. You know him well. Because Sparky's cartoon character went on to become a cultural phenomenon of sorts. People readily identified with this lovable loser. He reminded people of the painful and embarrassing moments from their own past, of their pain and their shared humanity. The character soon became famous worldwide, Charlie Brown. And Sparky, the boy whose many failures never kept him from trying, whose work was rejected again and again, is the highly successful cartoonist Charles Schultz. His cartoon strip, Peanuts, continues to inspire children and adults with books, t-shirts and TV programmes, reminding us, as someone once commented, that life somehow finds a way for all of us, even the losers. Sparky's story reminds us of a very important principle in life. We all face difficulty and discouragement from time to time. We also have a choice in how we handle it. If we're persistent, if we hold fast to our faith, if we continue to develop our unique talents, who knows what can happen? We may end up with an insight and ability to inspire one that only comes only through hardship. Well, you learn something new every day. Who'd have thought Charles Schultz's story? I had no idea. But I hope you all enjoyed episode 13 of The Power of Positivity. And as always, I hope it brought you some inspiration and positivity during these difficult times. I very much look forward to you all joining me on the next episode. Also, feel free to give my Facebook page a like. It's www.facebook.com forward slash James Whiskers, W-I-S-K-E-R-S, the power of positivity. Take care and stay safe.